Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. Happy New Year. If we haven't met before, my name is Stu, part of the team here, and it's really good to gather with you today. Hey to everyone who is watching us from home right now as well. Uh, today I'm going to be hanging off a series of talks that our team are going to be sharing throughout the month of January. In each of Paul's letters in the New Testament, there's a turn of phrase that he used at the beginning of each letter. Letters to churches of to, uh, churches that he both founded and fathered, both up close and from a distance. His letters would include encouragement, some challenge, but he always began by saying one thing, grace and peace to you. And so this January, we have asked a few members of our team to share, in essence, what would be their letter to you, the church that they love. We're going to have the opportunity to speak right from the heart, to share what we pray is a word in season, words that are full of grace and peace to you and to your family right now. And I'm going to kick things off this morning. So why don't you go ahead and open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. Some of you will have heard me teach from this passage before. Don't worry, I am deliberately repeating myself this morning. I was asked to share a reflection two years ago now. Um, it was a reflection on the year 2020, which was an utter treat for me. And this was the passage that I used then, and it's the passage that I also want to use today, because this text has become a little bit like a grid for me as I've worked through the past couple of years. It's helped me find my bearings, give me a sense of direction. And so today I want to share the grid with you again. So if you're able, why don't you stand with me for the reading of God's word? Let's stand together. Romans chapter five, beginning at verse one. Come Holy Spirit. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is the word of the Lord, given to us so that we would know the goodness of the Father, would practice the way of the Son, and be filled over and over and over again with the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. Why don't you grab a seat? This ultimately is the grid. Suffering, it produces perseverance. Perseverance, it produces character. And character, it produces hope. Whenever I first spoke in this text in late December 2020, I wanted to shed a little bit more light on the value of suffering, something that we had to confront in a new way that year. We can't escape suffering. In this world, we should expect trouble. Jesus of Nazareth said that. And in the way of Jesus, we're invited to participate in his sufferings to face the reality of life as it actually is and recognize the grace is made perfect, not in strength, but in weakness. Suffering can be our boast. We can glory in it, just as we have read, if we face it. 
And if we journey through it with Jesus, a man who is himself familiar with suffering, and because we know it, because we've been following Jesus for a while, and also just because we're human, hard things, troubles, trials, tribulation, cruciform moments, crucible places, we recognize that they are what make us. They're what form us and shape us like no other. Now, the good news, and we will get to it, is that suffering, hardship, not even death has the final word, hope, finds its origins in hardship. But I think as we have journeyed through 2021, we've moved a little bit further along the grid last year. In the quiet moments of last week, that weird week in between Christmas and New Year, I took some time, as I always do, just to reflect on the year that's just passed. And truthfully, I had just one reflection. 2021 was a year where I, where we, we had to dig really deep, right? The past year was a year for persevering. Now, persevering is no crack, right? A few years ago, Emma and I, we took ourselves off to the north of Spain to take a couple of days to walk along the ancient paths of the Camino de Santiago, as you do. We left in a bit of a rush, and we didn't really have time to break in our boots. Uh, the first couple of days, it was brilliant. Sun was shining. We were walking these ancient paths. It was amazing. And then we woke up on, I think it was the fourth day, and it was going to be our longest day of walking, of hiking, but it was also the hottest day. The morning was great. Everything was going according to plan. But after lunch, Emma started to really struggle. Now, Emma is really fit in both senses of the word. And, um, <laughs> and so things like this wouldn't be a struggle for her, but she was really, really struggling, particularly her feet. Feet were really sore. So we kept on walking a little bit. Um, and then we thought, let's take the shoe off and let's see what's going on down there. But actually, we couldn't take the shoe off. It was too painful. So we just had to keep on going. Now, whenever you do the Camino, if you've done it before, and I would recommend that you do think about it, um, you do uh, rock up to a town, find a homestead, and that's the place where you crash for the night. And there was a town that was about three miles back, and there was a town that was three miles ahead. And we're stuck in this sort of limbo space in between. We just had to keep walking. I did everything I could to try to encourage Emma along the way just to keep persevering and I was praying for the last mile that there would be a room in the inn like it was all very biblical and we got there and fortunately there was. Emma just crashed on the bed and then it's a bit of an operation to try to take the boot off and then I saw it the biggest blister that I have ever seen. Like if you imagine like a golf ball, cut it in half, like that was just on Emma's heel, like it was massive. And so I had to do something about it. So I grabbed a pin, I boiled some water, and then I went for it and leaned right in and I just pricked the blister and there was so much blister juice in it that it just all fired up right into my hair. Like it was stinking. As I said, persevering is no crack, right? But ultimately, that's been our year, right? That was 2021. We just had to keep going. We had to say the course. Our feet were sore, but we just had to keep plodding on. And so we can look back on the past year, and we can think of 2021 as a nothing kind of year, right? Nothing really happened. But what I want to do this morning is just reframe our perspective a little bit, to reframe our perspective on the path that we have just taken together. Let me let you behind the scenes 
on what I am doing right now. Every time whenever I come to teach the Bible publicly, there is an analogy that I have at the forefront of my mind. It's a sports analogy. I'm a sports guy. It's a baseball analogy. Because whenever I come to preach and to teach, truthfully, there is a temptation that I face all of the time. It's a temptation that anybody faces whenever they do this. And it's the temptation to knock it out of the park, to deliver the greatest talk that you've ever heard, right? And the crowd goes wild, standing ovation. That's never happened. It might happen today. I don't know. But as I've come to see and learn, rather than hit a home run whenever I do this, my job is simply to play the bases, to move us as a community along base by base, to nudge us that little bit further into the things of God one step at a time. Rather than go for the big hit whenever I do this, I've learned that my job is simply to be faithful. And for many of us, in our lives and in our lives with Jesus, we also feel the same temptation, right? We want to knock it out of the park. We long for the quick hit, the attention of the crowd, the rush of adrenaline, the thing that we get to talk about. And yet, this year, we've had to learn to persevere. We've had to learn what it means to play the bases, to be faithful, particularly being faithful behind the scenes of our lives where nobody is watching us. Robert Mulholland, he riffs off Paul's words to the church in Ephesus whenever he describes what following Jesus is all about. Matt, I do want to flick this up. The Christian journey, therefore, is an intentional and continual commitment to a lifelong process of growth towards wholeness in Christ. It is the process of growing up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ until we attain to mature personhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. It is for this purpose, us maturing into Christ-likeness, that God is present and active in every moment of our lives. Just leave that up for a moment, Maddie, because I want you to notice Mulholland's words. Intentional, continual, commitment, lifelong, process. We've had to learn this past year, what it means to be faithful behind the scenes of our lives so that we incrementally, step by step, practice by practice, prayer by prayer, time of reading the scripture by time of reading the scripture, act of, ge act of generosity by act of generosity, growing up step by step into the way of Jesus, we have learned that that is what it is all about. But here's the thing that I want you to see. It is those who dig deep in this hidden place, who persevere, who are faithful. The Spirit, he widens those kinds of people. He stretches their soul. He gifts them with the capacity so that they are able to be the ones who can receive the favor of Christ's hope. I'm always really intrigued by what the Bible doesn't say. Because in the Bible, we get these glimpses of the biblical characters, these little snapshots but there's so much that the Bible leaves unsaid. Like, what did the disciples do on the unrecorded days? What about Ruth and Nehemiah on a day off, right? We read these notable moments, but then what about the rest of their days? 2021, for me anyway, it felt an awful lot like those unrecorded days. There wasn't a ton of notable things that took place on one level. But if you go underneath the surface of where we've been, 
you will find that our persevering was producing something deep within us. Our faithfulness, our devotion, our digging deep, it was producing something within us that was difficult to see at first. But perseverance, it always produces the character of Christ. And while a lot of growth has happened underground this year, whenever I look out at you, my community, trust me, I can see the shoots of renewal springing up from the deep places where you have had to dig in. I know that for many of us, the past few years have been really hard. We've struggled, we've questioned, our faith has been tested, church looks different, we have been tired. And while it may feel as if your life with Jesus has been slow, fairly unfruitful, pretty unspectacular. It's felt like playing the basses. I want to come to you today with a word of encouragement because I believe that the Spirit has been crafting you, molding you, shaping you in the depths. He has been doing a remarkable work of moving you beyond an adolescent youth group faith to something that is so much more resilient and something that's way more robust, something that will set you up for a long obedience in the same direction. What I'm trying to say is simply this, even though it's been slow and even though it's felt like winter, Jesus has not forgotten about you. In fact, he has been busy doing his deepest and best work. Jesus has been readying you for the renewal of spring that is yet to come. James puts it like this, not James Toll, slightly other Toll. Uh, all right, he says this, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith, which we have all learned about in the past couple of years, it produces what? Perseverance. So let perseverance finish its work, let it run its course, so that you will be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Perseverance, playing the bases, one faithful step at a time, it produces complete, mature disciples of Jesus. Nothing is ever wasted in the plans of God. Wilderness years, they help cultivate the roots of renewal. There is no season that isn't graced by the artistry and the craftsmanship of Christ. So, back to the grid. I believe that many of us find ourselves at the intersection of perseverance moving towards character. And so I want to just take a moment to unpack what character traits perseverance wants to produce in us. And I, I'm shamelessly nicking this from a friend of ours, Mark Sayers. But I, I believe that there are three character traits that Jesus has been shaping within us as we've persevered through the past season. Because Jesus has been forming us into a humble, a holy, and a hungry kind of people. If you've been persevering, these are the shoots of renewal that are beginning to spring forth. Humility, holiness, and hunger. Let's start with humility. As we grow up into Christ-likeness, we are to become more humble, particularly whenever it comes to the realization that we are not in control, never have been, and we never will be. And yet, as we've navigated the past couple of years, it's been so easy for us to be formed by other voices and by other agendas other than the ways of the kingdom of God. And it's left us in danger of becoming hardened, allowing our hearts to become quite proud. 
I want to be really careful how I say what I'm about to say, so please listen in. If we neglect the call to be faithful primarily to the ways of Jesus, it will become so easy for us to get proud in our position. Positions that we take politically, positions that we take pandemically, if that is even a word. It can become so easy for us to become the news that we consume. We can double down in our beliefs. We can become quite antagonistic. It's us versus them. I'm right, they are wrong. I want things to be this way, not that way. And by the way, I'm speaking to those of you who lean slightly to the left, just as much as I'm speaking to those of you who lean slightly to the right. If we allow ourselves to be formed only by our scrolling through our choice of media on our particular position, if we hunker down, stay immovable, locked into a fixed pride position, if we stay there, we miss out on the things of Jesus. And why? Because as Wynne Collier says, hunkering down is the least Christ-like posture. The Christ-like posture, it looks like this. It is cruciform, it is humble, it is open-handed. It is not us versus them, but it is us for them. It is us moving towards each other in love, humble, loving sacrifice for the sake of the other. The Jesus people are not proud. They are not shaped by politics or by position, but they are to be formed by the Spirit of Christ himself who tends to our souls through the cultivation of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. The church is to be humble. It is to be like Jesus. We are to sound like Jesus. We're not to sound like the opinions or the news or the one-liners that we consume. No, we are to be a humble church, not trying to win a culture war or to be on the right side of an argument. We are to be a kingdom of priests who gently attend to the world's wounds. We're to be the humble people of God. Jesus is humbling his people, but he's also setting his people apart. He's shaping us into a holy kind of people. Now, we've done a lot of work on this over the past couple of months, particularly through our series in First John. But all I want to say is this. The true mark of holiness, well, it is nothing other than living a life of love, sacrificial love. And so in order to become more loving, we are to make holy choices, choices in how we are to order our lives. Our desire to love, it changes how we spend our time, how we spend our money. It changes how we use our speech. It changes what we listen to. It changes our motivations. Our love for each other and for the world, it should stand out. It should be peculiar. It should be holy. It should reveal to the world that we are disciples of love himself. And yet there's one last character trait that I believe that perseverance is seeking to produce in us. And it's hunger. It's hunger for Jesus, our desire for him alone. Augustine said this all those years ago, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they can find rest in you. The pilgrims who stick it out in the wilderness 
Well, there are those who come to see that there is no thing that can satisfy our deep restlessness apart from Jesus himself. Not even good things can become ultimate things because he alone is our goal. He is our prize. He is our direction and he is our joy. I finish off my years by asking myself a fairly intense question that I want to share with you. And it's this. Do I love Jesus more than I did this time last year? Do I love Jesus more than I did this time last year? What would it look like for you to be able to give a defiant yes in answer to that question whenever you come to the end of this year? I believe, I firmly believe that for the church, this is a year for hunger. This is a year for pursuit. This is a year for worship. This is a year for not settling for anything else than our devotion to Jesus and longing to be in his presence as long as we possibly can. Humility, holiness, and hunger. This is what Jesus is forming in his church. And those are the kind of people who are ready for resurrection. Resurrection, which is the New Testament nickname for hope. In the New Testament, we see that Christian hope is centered on an event, and that event is the resurrection of Christ. The hope of resurrection is that there is never a full stop after suffering, after hardship, after COVID, or even after death. Yet resurrection, it never happens in a vacuum. It doesn't just appear. Resurrection always follows a dying And in John 12, Jesus shares the dynamic of resurrection with his disciples whenever he says this. Maddie, do you want to flick us up on the screen? Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And this is where we go full circle. Because the way of discipleship is found in us being crucified with Christ so that we no longer live, but he now lives in us. I'm talking about dying to self, being open to the parts of our lives that run in the opposite direction to Christ-likeness. Well, those things dying so that we become resurrected. We become more like Jesus. We become more like our true selves. I don't know about you, but I've had to die to myself a lot in 2021. This past year, it held a mirror up to where I was My reactions revealed my character, and I got to see that I was not as humble, as holy, or as hungry as I wished or thought. Last year felt like a year of a thousand tiny little deaths, right? As we all face the reality of life outside of the way that we like it. And so at the turn of a new year, we've got a choice to make. Either we can start off this year being a bit cynical, it's going to be the same old, or We can be open to the resurrection life of Jesus, transforming us, taking hold of our lives because as the seed falls to the ground and dies, new, abundant resurrection life springs up from the ground. Anne Voskamp puts it like this. What is real living? Real believing? Real faith? Real living doesn't always feel like living. It can feel like you're dying. It can feel like you're breaking apart and losing pieces of yourself, and you are. You must let your false self be broken, parts of you that you only thought were necessary. You must embrace your union with Christ, 
bravely surrender and trust that what's breaking and being lost is never the eternal needed parts of you, but always the temporal needless parts that were getting in the way of you becoming real. I want to come to you today with words of grace and peace at the start of a new year. Because in the parts of your life where you feel as if you've lost the run of yourself, where dreams have died, where you've been broken apart, I want to say today that perhaps those parts of you are tombs that the new life of Jesus is just wanting to burst out of. Because in the way of Jesus, Good Fridays always lead to Resurrection Sundays. Jesus doesn't want to tweak our character. He wants to transform it. And he has been on trend recently. And so every hard thing that you have experienced this year, it can find its redemption and its resurrection in Jesus. There is hope and there is purpose in hard things. The seed that has to die, it can bear much fruit. So remember Suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. And character, it produces hope. Do you guys want to come up? Before we worship, I want to share one last thing with you about hope. Because there's two moments on Resurrection Sunday that I find really, really intriguing. Late in the afternoon, two of Jesus' disciples were walking along a road ancient paths towards a town called Emmaus. And they were chatting about everything that took place on Good Friday. And Jesus comes alongside them, but they don't recognize him. They don't recognize him in his new resurrected body. But earlier that morning, Mary Magdalene, she goes to the tomb of Jesus and she approaches a gardener, only to hear the gardener say back to her, Mary. She recognizes that it's Rabbi Jesus. And so she embraces him, gives him a massive hug. But Jesus responds to her by saying, don't cling to me. Don't hold on to me. For I have not yet ascended to the Father. Two things. Why do the disciples walking towards the mass, why do they not recognize Jesus? Well, Ronald Rollheiser puts it like this. They're too focused on his former reality. They're so focused on their former image of him, their former understanding of him, and the way that he was formally present to them, that now they're not open to seeing him as he walks among them. Question number two, why did Jesus tell Mary to not cling to him? We don't have Mary's reaction or her words, but if we did, I think it would sound a little like this. I never suspected resurrection to be so painful, to leave me weeping, with joy to have met you alive and smiling outside an empty tomb, with regret, not because I've lost you, but because I've lost you in how I had you, in understandable, touchable, clingable flesh, not as fully Lord, but as graspily human. I want to cling, despite your protest, Cling to your and my clingable humanity. Cling to what we had, our past. But I know that if I cling, you cannot ascend, and I will be left clinging to your former self, unable to receive your present spirit. If you had asked them that morning, the disciples and Mary, they wouldn't have been looking for resurrection. They would have been looking for something else. 
they would have been looking for resuscitation. They would have died for resuscitation to have taken place. A restoration of the way things were. This old days, the familiar things, the clingable things, the way we used to have them. But the way of Jesus, it is not found in resuscitation, it is found in resurrection. The offer of a radically new way of living. And many of us, we know what Mary is talking about. We want to cling to the way things used to be. We want to get back to the past, to the way that we used to connect with Jesus and the way that he used to connect with us, the way church used to be, and the image of Jesus that we once had, how he acted towards us and how we acted towards him. We just want to get back to the way things were, don't we? But Jesus isn't wanting to resuscitate us. He's wanting to resurrect us. That is our hope. Not that we can just recover the way things used to be, but that in our suffering, in our persevering, in our formation, Jesus is drawing us into a new thing, a completely new way of living. Resurrection is always new. It's always different. At first, it is unrecognizable, but it is always surprising. So let me ask you, are you clinging to the way things used to be? Are you wanting to experience resuscitation? Or are you wanting to encounter resurrection? Resuscitation is the continuation of a life lived on my terms. But resurrection, it is a new way of living with Jesus on his terms. Life on my terms, it's really lovely. It's really nice. It's really pleasant. Jesus acts towards me in certain ways and I get to act towards him in other ways too. But I want to hold on to the way that things used to be. But in Jesus' way, we're not to cling to the way things used to be. We're not to cling to the way that we used to have him. Because life on Jesus' terms, it is the life of the kingdom. It is the God-shaped life assimilated into our everyday comings and goings. It is the heart of Jesus made available to our neighbors, our friends, our community, and our enemies. It is the supernatural ministry of the Holy Spirit demonstrated across the Lagan Valley. It is the awakening of the church, and it is the revival of this land. It is the death of injustice, and it is the life of freedom. It is the broken, fragmented parts of earth coming back together. It is everything made new. Or as the prophet once said, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is doing something new. He just needs a humble, holy and hungry people to see it through. Let's stand together as we come to worship. Just one last thing before before we go. Um, the, the purpose of us becoming more like Jesus, we, we obviously get to enjoy that, but it's not just for us. Because holy, hungry, and humble people, they're the kind of people that welcome others home. And one of my desires for this year is for there to be loads of people to connect with Jesus for the first time. I want this service this time next year to be full of people that we have never met before because in 2020 they got to experience 
the life of Jesus. They got to know him and their life was completely changed and resurrected because of his grace. I don't know about you, but I'd really love to see that happen this year. And my guess is that some of you, all of you, would love to experience that too. And I'd love to pray for us, but I'd specifically love to pray for some of us who, as we've uh, spent some time with family and friends over this Christmas period, we've been really burdened as we've sat across dinner tables or been at parties or have been out at the pub or whatever, and we've just seen them, but we've just been longing for them to come home, to come to faith, to experience the life of Jesus. But we know within ourselves, we just need that little bit more courage to go and do something about it, to be bearers of the good news. And so why don't you just close your eyes, all of us, just for a moment. And if that is you, if you've been burdened, but you just long for that little bit more courage, I'd love to pray for you. And would you just stick your hands out in front of you? It's just easy for me to see um, who I'm going to be praying for. Holy Spirit, would you come right now and would you fill us with power and with courage to be proclaimers of the good news of Jesus? Would you release the gift of the evangelist so that we would be able to welcome people home? Lord Jesus, I pray that 2020 would be a year that is marked by salvation and you would release us as the kind of people to go and to share the good news. So fill us, release us, and lead us on, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. It's been so good to gather with all of you today. Happy New Year, everyone. Grace and peace.